Welcome to Hevray Connect. I'm Zach Garber, your host and a current Hevray member. In this podcast, you will get the opportunity to learn about the incredible Cabinet Young Leadership Program. We will explore the stories of fellow Cabinet members, alumni of the program, and educational series about the Jewish Federations. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with your friends, family, and local Jewish Federation. Enjoy. I always tell people that when I was at Harvard Business School, like everybody's amazing and everybody's pretty focused on making sure you know how amazing they are. And that can be a really hard place to swim. At Cabinet, everybody's amazing and they're all really focused on discovering how amazing you are. And that makes Cabinet a really, really special place. Today, I'm very excited to have another episode of Hevray Connect. I have the honor and privilege of interviewing my good friend and fellow Hevray and fourth year, Emily Kranz. Emily is from Greensboro, North Carolina, and on this episode, we're going to talk about Lions, women philanthropy, about how she became part of her Jewish community, and for anyone who's wondering, Emily is the Senior Director of Strategy at Viva Systems, so we'll get into that. So Emily, thank you so much for coming on. I think a great starting point would be just to learn a little bit about your background. Um, thanks so much for having me, Zach. Um, I guess my spiritual background and my work background are pretty different. I'll talk a little bit first about kind of how I came to Judaism. Um, I was actually raised Catholic. I grew up in a very Catholic family. And when I say very Catholic, like my dad was in the seminary and wanted to be a priest. And we were the kind of family that like when we got chicken pox, we still went to church and we sat in the choir loft away from everybody, but we didn't miss church in my family. But I'm one of four kids all adopted and we were all adopted from families of different religions. So my mom always tells a story of apparently my birth mother was some other flavor of Christianity. And at the last minute she got cold feet and decided she wanted me to be raised Lutheran or Baptist or whatever it was. Um, and when, when uh, my mom heard that, she said, well, that's fine. We'll raise her Lutheran. Uh, and that I guess gave my birth mother like the, the confidence that they were going to be amazing parents, which they were. So I grew up in California in Los Angeles, and I was a terrible, terrible Catholic. Never fit well, hated hated mass, hated catechism, just hated it the whole way through. Um, in high school, I got asked to leave the confirmation program because I started like a, a minor coup by convincing the other kids in the class that there was no such thing as the devil or like a supreme being of evil. So I just wasn't a good fit. Um, I go to college, I fall in love with a Jewish boy, and I start having all these reasons not to become Jewish. We went through a time in our life where a lot of people were converting to get married to um, people from AEPI at Georgia Tech, and I was like, no, no, I'm not like changing my religion just for a boy. We got married, we moved to North Carolina, and before we moved here, my husband kind of checked out the Jewish community. And he found a really great reform temple, and he found a really great conservative synagogue. And um, he decided that the reform congregation was kind of the better fit for us as an interreligious couple. And we just found the most amazing 
home at Temple Emanuel in Greensboro, North Carolina. So we're married and the years go on and our back door neighbors are a lovely older couple from Scotland who are also Jewish. And I'm doing things like learning to make brisket and play mahjong and do the high holidays. And um, all of a sudden I realized at some point that I wasn't converting to Judaism because I was scared to tell my parents. So my like nature is that once I realize I'm scared of something, I go tackle it. Um, so I called my parents that night and my mom said, I'm shocked it took you this long to tell. <laughs> so, um, so I actually went to our rabbi in Temple Emmanuel, who was hired after we joined, told him that I thought it was finally time for me to become Jewish. And he almost passed out. He had no idea I wasn't Jewish. <laughs> so the rest was pretty easy to get through. I wasn't involved with Federation until actually after I had kids. I was invited to be a part of um, a young leadership program in Greensboro. Um, The program is now called GFLY, Greensboro Federation Leadership Institute. And it was a couples program back then. So everyone who was going through the the year-long program was married. And um, I made some really great friends. And that's how I first got involved in Federation. Uh, I also had my first trip to Israel through that process. And I mean, I think a lot of people have the same story the first time they go to Israel. And I just, I just really, really just solidified my ties to Federation and Judaism in Israel through that program. Um, so that's a little bit of the kind of spiritual way that I got here. The business story is a little different. <laughs> it's, Similarly winding, I guess. Georgia Tech, undergrad in computer science. I was a software engineer right out of college and um, working for PricewaterhouseCoopers doing super interesting SAP integration. So like if you imagine the biggest and most boring business computer programs you can think of, my job was to hook those things up to other huge and boring business computer programs. I didn't love it so much. Um, And I ended up getting into Harvard Business School. So I got my MBA from Harvard. And while I was there, I focused on uh, information technology and healthcare. I've always had a fascination with healthcare. Mad respect to all of our headers who actually take care of people who are healthcare providers, because um, that's something I could never do. But I really, really honor all of them for being able to do it. A few startups. And I got involved with this software called Salesforce.com at one of the startups I was involved with. And um, really had a lot of success with it. And then I found the startup that was doing healthcare with Salesforce. And um, kind of that was, that is my purpose for being from a career perspective. And I joined Viva in 2010 and have been there for just over 14 years and have watched the company grow from about 40 people to about 6,000 people. Um, we went through an IPO in 2013, and I've had a lot of different roles in the company, but I've been working in strategy for about six years, and um, I really love it. We do, frankly, big, boring software, but for pharmaceutical companies, not just any business. <laughs> it's something I will talk your ear off about if I find you have any interest in it whatsoever. Well, that that is a lot. I'm very excited you know, to, to jump into all of it, and I know a little bit about your story choosing to become Jewish, which is a little bit different from uh, some of our fellow Hevra and gives you somewhat of a different perspective. Today, we're, we're going to focus on Lions, Women Philanthropy. But one of the things we were talking about before this podcast is the cross-section of your business life and your involvement in the community. 
Can you share a little bit about what you've been able to do with Salesforce and how you've been able to find those synergies between the nonprofit world and what you're doing with Federation and what you're doing on your job for profit? This is one of the reasons that I'm actually super committed to Federation is that over the years, I have like found ways to support this organization that really fit with the skills I bring to the table. Obviously, I also have to thank Salesforce for being the technology that I built my career on and, you know, kind of being the means to which I could become a lion. Um, in 2016, I agreed to run the Greensboro Annual Campaign. Just a reminder to all the people from New York and New Jersey and um Chicago and all of the giant federations, we're a very small community. So leaders step up a little bit younger in our community than in most other communities. And so I ran the campaign. I ran the campaign with a lovely older man in Greensboro named Lenny Samet, old Greensboro family. And I had a ton of fun doing it, but I was appalled at how bad their operational systems were. So just the processes of getting donor lists together and printing pledge cards and organizing who had been spoken to and who hadn't been spoken to that year, it was like painful as an understatement. So I came out of that year really, really driven to make a difference in operations at my federation. And it was a crazily long uphill battle. So I started in 2017 talking with the board about needing to change the computer system. And it just it just took a really long time for them to decide that they wanted to do something. Interestingly, once once everyone kind of got on board with yes, we're going to replace this access database with something more sophisticated, we we did the implementation in a month over the summer, kind of converted all of the data, got the system up and running. Salesforce has a really great program called the One 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 program, where they donate one percent of their profit, one percent of their employees' time. And 1% of their product, that's kind of their philanthropy project or pro- process, the 1% of the product means any 501c3 can apply for and receive 10 free Salesforce licenses. So we were able to do this between my kind of technical skills and consulting plus the free Salesforce licenses. My federation was able to do this in a, in a $0 way. So um, it turned out to be a really great success, and we've been running the campaign off of the Salesforce platform for four or five years. I think this might be the fifth campaign um, we've done, and it's just brought, first off, it's made the process much, much easier. It's made the data much more accessible. There's a whole set of kind of dashboards and reports that are given to the board now and used to drive the impact report and things like that, that just um, we never had the ability to do before. So that's kind of the story at my local federation. And then I started doing a little bit of consulting for national federation. Some of the largest federations have Salesforce in place, but many have another tool called Blackboard. And um, federations trying to make it more easily accessible, especially for small and mid-sized federations, to put in a tool like Salesforce. So it's really fun to take this kind of success I had in Greensboro and, and be talking to national about replicating it at other organizations. Well, I think I think that is very helpful and very tangible what you've done. And I'm going to, on your behalf, just state that for any Hevray who have questions or anyone from other federations that 
are looking to improve some of their data management system, I'm sure Emily would be happy to be a resource. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to focus on lions and women philanthropy. Can you share what exactly is, for people that don't know, the lion program and what it is that you're doing in women's philanthropy? Such a good question. And I forget sometimes that people don't always get a primer to this stuff when they get involved with federation. Um, So 50 years ago, a group of amazing women started this idea that they called Lions of Judah. And the thinking back then was most of the giving to Federation that was happening was happening through men's gifts, right? Um, And it was a lot of, um, you know, they'd have a dinner and Marty would stand up and say, I'm increasing my gift to $8,000. And then he'd call across the the table to uh, Fred and say, Fred, I want you to match me. And, you know, it was kind of, it was a little bit of a different environment back then, but most of the women we're giving of their time to federation, but not necessarily a, an individual contribution, financial contribution. So a group of women has created the Lion of Judah program, and it's really a donor recognition. It started as a donor recognition program. So these women um, would give a gift separate and in addition to whatever their husbands had been doing. And it was a way for women at the time, thinking back 50 years ago, this is, you know, the time like women hadn't actually been able to get credit cards without a co-signer for very long. There was, you know, women just really didn't have the financial independence they do today. It was a way for women to step up and kind of like make their own contribution in a very visible way. So donor recognition program, somebody designed this great big gold lion piece of jewelry. I don't know when that happened, but, um, but that became the lion pin became kind of the symbol of, of the group. Um, so whenever you're seeing people at a Federation event or anywhere that have that very distinctive gold Lion of Judah pin, you know, it means they're giving at a higher amount to their Federation. Usually it's 5,000. Some of the bigger Federations have a higher starting point. Um, but it's just a way that women can recognize each other and recognize their accomplishments and gifts to Federation. What is it exactly that, that you're doing with Lion? What is it that, in terms of the impact that you're seeing them have uh, as part of the Federation system? So the Lion program in any individual community can look a little different, right? It, there might be events specific to Lions. There might be um, specific fundraising going on. It, it, it could be a wide variety of things, depending on what your community is like. Some communities have really strong, really um, close-knit Lion communities. Others don't. Going back to my data nerdiness, we realized that in Greensboro, two-thirds of our annual campaign contributions are coming from households with Lions. So when you think about that kind of, that pyramid of small, large givers, in an annual campaign, those are our lions. So we realized that and have been spending a lot of effort focusing in on those lions. We've actually increased our lion community in Greensboro, a little tiny Greensboro, North Carolina, to 77 women right now. We had 14 new lions last year, which is really amazing. Um, One of the things that started me down this path of understanding the importance of lions within the annual campaign and and within the cohesiveness of a federation was actually I attended the International Lion of Judah Conference in 2018 in uh, Miami. Oh, someone from Miami is going to tell me it wasn't Miami, but it was close to Miami. 
<laughs> I'm sure it's called something else. So there, I did. I learned a lot about. Um, I learned a lot about endowment giving, and I learned a lot about programs that I had no idea were going on for Lions of Judah, like pinning programs and missions and other other things within the Federation Network. So that was kind of the first place that we said, "Hey, we really want to rekindle the Lion Program in Greensboro." So we've we've done some amazing growth, and um, I'll be going back to the Lion of Judah conference this year. It's only held every two years, so it's the one that you really don't want to miss. It doesn't come around annually. Um, and if you don't mind me plugging it, the this year the International Lion of Judah conference is in Phoenix, Arizona, December 11th through 13th. Who doesn't want to be in the Southwest in December? If anyone wants more information, the website's really easy. It's lionconference.org, uh, and you can find all the information you need and register there. I think anyone who's interested should absolutely check it out. And we were excited to have Emily to talk about this. This podcast, obviously, we focus on cabinet. So cabinet is the young leadership program within the Federation, and we're in the same class here. Can you share both how you got involved in cabinet, as well as maybe an experience from cabinet that has shaped who you who you think you're going to become as a leader? Oh, what a great question. First, if you don't mind me backtracking, I should mention there will be cabinet-specific programming at the International Line of Judah Conference. So we will have both some sessions and some fun after-conference events going on uh, for our coverage. Gosh, there's been so many good experiences for me with cabinet. You know, I showed up from a from a community where there were no cabinet people, that there haven't been cabinet people in my community for more than a decade. Um, so I'm one of those kind of like, it was mentioned to me in passing, and somebody was like, you should really join cabinet, one of the development professionals. And um, I was like, what? what's cabinet? And then like, I signed up the next day. So I didn't expect, I didn't expect the friendships that I would get in any way, shape or form. And I love the fact that it's exposed me to people that I absolutely never would have met. There's no possibility that I would have met some of the friends that I've made if it wasn't for cabinet. And there's been, frankly, there's been a lot of leadership input for me, things that I've learned. I actually think that the relationships, though, especially during COVID, where people were so supportive of each other and people made such an effort to stay connected, it was really the only area of my life where it felt like everyone was actively trying to stay connected with each other. And that really taught me something important. Can you share a little bit more beyond the connections you've made? What would be some of the leadership things that you've learned or maybe travel experiences that you've had uh, that are unique from cabinet for someone who's either thinking about joining or if someone's listening to this podcast and they're new to cabinet? I'll give one really great example of something I've learned about leadership first. Uh, I'm a pretty outspoken, upfront, never hold my opinion back kind of person. And my version of leadership is pretty brash and aggressive and like, we're going to do it this way because I know I'm right. And what I've been able to learn through cabinet is to really appreciate some of the people who are leading in very different styles. I really have to say Hova has blown me away this year with her leadership for 
philanthropy. She's very quiet and just her personality is so, so different than mine. And she's so incredibly effective um, that that she's been a great example for me just to realize it doesn't always have to look my way for something to be exceptionally well executed. Um, and I think that's a really important thing that I frankly have been already bringing to my business as well as my philanthropic life. From a travel perspective, especially if you're not much of a traveler, Cabinet's a great place to travel. The, the logistics and operations side of our missions is so beautifully executed. Uh, I am someone who travels extensively, well, pre-COVID, getting back to it now, but all over the world all the time. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty fearless about picking up and going. But if I did have any hesitation, I would be really comforted knowing all of the schedules are going to be fabulous. The hotels are going to be great. Everything's going to be coordinated well. Nothing's going to be kind of forgotten about or skipped over. So it's really an easy way to travel. And then in addition to that, it, you're going to come away from any of the cabinet trips with like a really personal connection to the work that Federation is doing. You know, you can sit in a boardroom or you can read on a website or sit in a conference session and learn about the JDC or Jaffe or any of the organizations Federation supports. But when you go to Israel and you're sitting in B'nai Brock listening to a Haredi man talk about how he established a career with career training from Federation that he never would have had access to otherwise, it's like that really like imprints itself on your soul. You're not going to forget that. So it makes you much more able to come back to your community and share those stories with other people. One of my favorite questions is to ask people, you're, you've been tremendously successful in your business life. You have a family, kids. What is it that inspires you to, with your limited, very limited free time, be involved in the Jewish community and give back philanthropically? I, you know, I just get so much more out of my involvement than I put in. Both from a financial and a time perspective, I have so much just joy in seeing programs move forward and understanding how Federation is helping people all over the world. Um, Greensboro brought two Shinshinyot, which are um, like Shlihim people coming to live in our community and kind of share a little bit of what it's like in Israel with us in Greensboro. And these are two girls who are in between high school and the army. So they're 19 years old. The fact that I helped to coordinate them coming here, it made me like wait at the airport with open arms and balloons. So excited to see them and have them here. And now that they're here and like, I have a personal relationship with them. That's just, that's just invaluable. There's just no way to put, like a price tag of time or money on something like that. These are ladies that I will be friends with the rest of my life and I would not miss it for the world. And that's, that's why I give my time. That's why I'm running a campaign again for Federation and Greensboro this year. That is ambitious. And I love that about you, Emily. When speaking of ambition, when you fast forward, what do you want your legacy to be? 
you know, that's, I don't know. I don't know. That's, that's a really hard one. What, what I really wish for is that my children have lives they love and are good people in the world. Is there one special Jewish ritual or something that you do with your, your family that, that you find meaningful? I am a huge challah maker. And one of the reasons I love making challah is I do it without my kids. <laughs> so it's like my time to set everything down. And when you have your hands in the dough, you can't be checking your phone or answering emails or, or doing anything else. It's kind of like my me time. So I do a lot of praying and a lot of talking to God while I make challah. And then I pull that through into the family with Shabbat on Friday night. And Shabbat dinner at our house always starts off with a little um, coin dish that I actually got at uh, an organization in Jerusalem called Yad Lakashish. Google it. It's a great place. And it's filled with just spare change. And we go around the table and everyone puts a few coins into the Sedessa box and says something that they're grateful for that week. And sometimes it's, I'm grateful I got a good grade on a chemistry quiz. And sometimes it's, we're really grateful that Mimi recovered from having COVID or that the war in Ukraine is, you know, that the Federation is helping people be safe and immigrate to Israel. So like big things, little things, there's a lot of weeks where it's just, we're thankful Shabbat is here and that the week is done. Um, and that's a really special thing that my family does. We did that growing up as well. It was always one of my favorite things. For, for anyone listening, what would be a piece of advice that you would give someone who's uh, joining cabinet or they're trying to grow in their career, they're trying to get involved, they're trying to make the most of this unique opportunity and experience in their life? I would say specifically around cabinet, don't be afraid about fitting in or making friends or like, will people like you? They will. It will be fine. You'll find your group within cabinet. And that's one of the best things about the program. I always tell people that when I was at Harvard business school, like everybody's amazing and everybody's pretty focused on making sure you know how amazing they are. And that can be a really hard place to swim at cabinet. Everybody's amazing. And they're all really focused on discovering how amazing you are. And that makes cabinet a really, really special place. So if you're nervous or if you're anxious about walking into the group of however many hundreds of people you've never met before, just do it because you're going to get great rewards, great friendships, and way, way more back than you ever put in. I think that's great advice, and I'm, I, I might have to steal that. Uh, are there any final thoughts you hope to uh, leave with uh, the people who are engaging with this episode? Please, ladies, register for Lion of Judah Conference. It's going to be a lot of fun, very educational and entertaining. Um, and just thank you to all the Hever for making this a community that I love being a part of. Well, Emily, thank you so much for taking your time, sharing your experience. You know, I think we learned a lot in this episode, everything from how to integrate and use technology to help our local federations to what's happening in the women philanthropy world to uh, how it is that you've found meaning in your experience. So I hope everyone who's listening uh, found this insightful, enjoyed it and connects with Emily. So thank you again for your time. Thanks so much, Zach. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to follow us 
on your preferred podcast provider, either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Feel free to drop us a review and share it with your network. Thanks again for your time. Future.